Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson. Thank you so much for listening. It has obviously been uh, a while since the last episode, but I did want to thank my previous guests, uh, Will Ryan and Katie Lee. Um, I, as a big fan of Adventures in Odyssey, that was very exciting for me, um, and as a fan of voice acting in general. So uh, if you haven't uh, listened to that episode, go back and, and uh, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, in the meantime, as far as announcements go, uh, just wanted to let everybody know that the Battleship Pretension book, the 101 Best Movies of the 2010s, is available at battleshippretension.com. There will be a little graphic on the left-hand side. It costs $14.99 plus shipping. At the moment, it's only in the U.S., but we are looking to expand uh, through like a, a print-on-demand option. So uh, if you have any uh, questions, you're welcome to email me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com, but uh, I think you will enjoy that book. Um, I wrote it along with David and Scott and uh, various other contributors, including a uh, friend of the show, Jason Eakin. So um, I think that is about it. Um, I will be, oh, you know what? I will be at this year's International Christian Film Festival. So um, if you are in Florida and you are uh, feeling okay about uh, COVID stuff, you're welcome to to head to the festival and you can see me. I'll have a table there. I will also be doing uh, a talk about uh, film history. I think it's called The Fundamentals of Film. So um, I'm going to be incorporating a genre discussion and maybe talking about the auteur theory a little bit. Uh, and I've got an hour and a half to talk. So that's very exciting. Uh, kind of gives me some room to... Uh, to branch out a little bit. So um, I myself uh, will be uh, vaccinated by then, and I hope uh, I hope and pray that uh, everybody uh, that's hearing this is doing well uh, health-wise and as far as family goes. Um, uh, things are going well with my kids. They are almost at uh, six months old at this point, which is insane. It's crazy to think that I've been a father for half a year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really been fun. It is, it's the last month and a half or so things have gotten a little bit easier. The kids sleep through the night now, which is very exciting. Uh, and they're just a little, they're, I mean, they're still a handful, but they're very responsive and it is, uh, it's not quite so stressful, uh, taking care of them. Uh, it just, uh, even, even tonight as I record this, um, Jen had a, a photo shoot. And so I was with the kids by myself and, uh, had to put them to, uh, put them down to sleep. And they, uh, we feel tremendously blessed because these kids are shockingly easy. Um, so, uh, yeah, those that, uh, were, uh, have asked about 
fatherhood and, and raising twins and adoption and all that. Um, Jen and I may do an episode about that sometime in the, in the near future. Uh, but in the meantime, I just wanted to kind of update you on how things have been going. Uh, but in the meantime, Today, we will be talking about uh, Darius Martyr's Sound of Metal, which at the moment is my favorite film of 2020. Uh, it's a, a real masterpiece. Uh, if you haven't gotten a chance to see it, do check it out. It's available, I believe, on Amazon Prime. So if you have that, you can check it out uh, or you can just you know rent it. Um, I had heard about the film for a while. I think it. Had, I think it was actually at like the 2019 uh, Sundance. So it's been it's been bouncing around for a while, and then the Oscar nominations just came out, and it was up for it's up for picture, actor, supporting actor, original screenplay, editing, and sound. So uh, a really nice showing uh, for the film at the Oscars. And I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like the 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 front runner in any of those uh, categories except sound. Uh, and as we talk more about that, it will become apparent as to why. But uh, the story of Sound of Metal is uh, fairly simple, but emotionally very complex. Uh, the actor uh, Riz Ahmed plays a character named Ruben, who, along with his girlfriend Lou, played by Olivia Cook, uh, they have a two-person ba- <clears throat> band in which they play like a, an experimental kind of heavy metal. And they tour around uh, on a... Uh, in like a Winnebago going from gig to gig and things are really looking up. They, they're getting a lot of bookings and they're clearly in love. Uh, but then something strange happens, which is that, uh, Ruben starts to notice, uh, that something's going on with his hearing. Uh, the sound, uh, you know, his hearing drops out r- randomly and he can't hear anything and then it comes back and everything's fine. And then it goes away almost completely. And he doesn't know what's going on. He goes to see a doctor who then says that, Possibly because of uh, his profession, but whatever the reason is, uh, he is going deaf and he only has like maybe 20% of his hearing left and he's going to need to actively work to preserve that. Um, and then Ruben is a bit in denial, so he plays, you know, their next gig and maybe that it, maybe that destroys what's left of his hearing or uh, it's hard to know. But either way, he's not really taking care of himself. Uh, and suddenly he is deaf. He cannot hear anything and he is understandably angry and scared and is trying to convey this to to Lou and she is being as supportive as she can be but uh there's a, in an added wrinkle uh Reuben and Lou have a history of drug use and Lou is worried that I mean obviously they're they're concerned about the 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 deafness but she is also concerned that this new development will send Ruben off on uh, on a tear and he might fall back into drug use. So she fi- she, along with his sponsor, tracks down a uh, sort of a rehab uh, clinic specifically for deaf people. Um, 
so that Ruben and uh, can can connect with other people who are in a better position to hear what he's saying and and uh, accommodate his his deafness. And while he's there, he is essentially coming to terms with this new aspect of his life, which is that he can't hear. And as he does, uh, Lou essentially has to leave him alone. He can't really have any contact with the outside world and has to just adapt to this this new uh, this new uh, this new phase phase I guess it's I guess it's a long lasting phase but uh, this new uh, aspect of his life and the the clinic is run by uh, Joe played by Paul Racy in a an absolutely marvelous performance he's nominated for supporting actor he probably will not win and that is a shame because it is a I can't say enough good things about Paul Racy's performance. The, the performances are great all around, but he especially. There's just something. Uh, there's just something to the, the effortlessness of his performance. But I'll talk about that later. So, um, so the film. It, it, when I say that it's it's marvelous, that it's just this masterwork. Um, the reason that I put it that way is because I think. It utilizes everything that a film can be. You know, as I talk about this, this is essentially a drama. It's a character-based drama. And one thing that tends to happen with a character-based drama is that uh, the filmmaker will will shoot it and edit it in a very straightforward way so as not to distract from... The, the character's situation and essentially it's it's more of a writer's and an actor's movie and the director essentially says I'm just going to get out of the way now there's nothing wrong with that choice but and certainly they still need to shoot it uh, in a way that that emphasizes what the director wants to emphasize but it usually is the actors and, and the screenplay and one thing that I really like about Sound of Metal is that I um, it not only uses uh, the camera, it not only uses uh, editing, but obviously it uses sound and often the lack of sound to not merely, you know, it's, it's not merely trying to present the character of Ruben to us. It's trying to put us in his situation. And so there are times when uh, the sound will drop out for us as well. And we we're just watching what's happening on the screen and we can't hear anything and neither can Ruben. And so it really goes a long way to getting us to connect with him and empathize with him. And I think that's one of the things that film can do if a director lets it, you know, when we think of, you know, the, the technical elements of film really being, uh, heightened and really being focused on it. We tend to associate that with like genre movies or, uh, bigger, higher concept movies, uh, certainly not with, again, a straightforward uh, character-based drama. But what I like about the director, Darius Martyr, is that he recognizes that what Ruben is going through is unique, and certainly it's something that does happen to people, but it, it likely is not happening or has not happened to anybody in the audience. And so he thinks, yes, we will be able to sympathize with Ruben and we'll feel really bad for him, but only from the outside. And so how can he put us on the inside? And so he says, okay, well, what can we do technically to put, a, to put the audience in Ruben's place? And uh, the film is extremely well shot and well edited. Uh, and so 
it is uh, it's a pleasure to look at you get a real sense of place uh, both in the you know heavy metal scene but also in this uh, rehab center uh, but it really is the sound you uh, you know, when I when the time comes and I and I uh, go back to teaching a film aesthetics class, uh, we do spend a week on sound, and this will this will become the movie that I show my students when talking about what sound can do, uh, because it's not merely that the sound drops out; it's the Darius Martyr. Even though we, chances are, if you're watching the movie, you know what it's about, and you know that deafness is going to come into it, but nonetheless. Uh, the way he plays up the most mundane of sounds um, before Ruben goes deaf. Uh, you know, he, he has a morning routine where he makes his coffee and he, you know, steps out of the uh, Winnebago and just sort of listens uh, to the world around him, even if he doesn't quite realize that's what he's doing and just sort of taking everything in. And that that gets played up uh, in a way where every sound is just so unique. And yes, it doesn't sound that unusual. We've all heard coffee being made, but it's just so crisp and clear so that when it goes away, uh, it's as, we miss these sounds as Ruben does. And we so desperately want them back. Um, and so it's not merely that the sound drops out from time to time it's the way that he utilizes it when it is there uh and then another thing that happens uh in the film is that reuben decides he wants to get these uh, cochlear implants which are very costly and i don't want to spoil the film I, I i'm hoping that you've seen it by this time if you're if you're listening to this you've hopefully seen it but by the time that uh reuben gets these cochlear implants he discovers that oh this is going to help me here but it's not going to replace my natural hearing uh and it's and it's this very staticky uh you know uh, over modulated electric sound and you know that and it's it's not pleasant to listen to uh but that's something that that martyr does as well is we've heard you know just regular sounds we've heard silence and now we hear this weird in-between thing and it is it's not pleasant uh it's it's often quite annoying and you start to wonder if maybe silence wouldn't be preferable. Yes, he can he can make out what people are hearing, but it just sounds uh, off, and that that is a, a bold choice as well uh, on the part of Darius Martyr because he runs the risk of frustrating and alienating the audience um, in order to put us in the in in Ruben's position and emotional state and that we feel his disappointment when he finally gets his cochlear implants uh and and everything gets switched on and he's he's been really clinging to this as the idea that like okay once i get this i can go back to my old life and uh and very quickly realizes that that is not going to happen that the not merely music but people's voices and just the sound of the, the the sounds of the world are not going to be what he remembered and it's a really tragic moment uh and one that uh that the director wants us there for he wants us uh in in ruben's place just as much with the cochlear implants as he does with the silence and so um you know it's 
I mean, the sound is obviously in the in the title, and it is about a musician, and it's about deafness. So, of course, the sound would have to be vital uh, to the the larger tapestry of the film. Uh, but throughout, the director makes choices that uh, that I think are very bold and they're just right there's there's no there's no better way to make this movie than the way darius martyr makes it um i do want to talk about the the performances here uh riz ahmed who you've seen in i think four lions uh he was in rogue one he was in nightcrawler he's a very good very dependable actor he was the villain in venom uh, very much the best part of that movie which i found uh, mediocre but uh, here he plays Ruben. It's it's not merely that Ruben is going deaf, and it's not merely that he's like this heavy metal guy. He is a former addict, and there is a a certain cautiousness and a very specific focus that comes with this character. Uh, and you realize that he's been sober for several years now, and you come to realize why. And it's, it's that he has a very specific routine, and that he focuses on his routine, he focuses on his girlfriend, he focuses on his music. He is a very focused person and, if, and is constantly moving. Uh, and you kind of get the impression that... Uh, sort of like a shark he feels like if he stops moving then he will maybe be more tempted to get back into drugs so he's just essentially going to drown out that temptation with constant movement and constant action and that's a big part of of the film is that when when he goes deaf and he's at this uh at this uh, rehab center the 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 head of it, Joe, essentially says, hey, I, I want you to uh, really just get get used to being deaf. That is your assignment. Uh, everybody here at the facility works, but you, well, your job is to learn how to be deaf. And that's tough. That is a that's an emotional task. And it's not a very it's not a practical task. And so uh, you can see the visible frustration uh, on Ruben's face. Uh, and Riz Ahmed plays him as a character who it's 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 not merely that he's gone, going deaf and he is a musician. So obviously those two things are linked, but it's also that he's constantly been doing something and now he's in a position of doing nothing and that is a uh, that has been a very scary prospect for him and now he's right there in the middle of it and so there's just such a a specific uh energy to riz ahmed's performance and i think that uh it's not merely that he is in he's just in a completely unfamiliar situation but over the course of the film, you see him learn. You see him learn sign language. You see him learn how to interact with these other people uh, at the at the facility. And you know, learning something. Obviously, in movies, we've seen characters learn, whether it be you know, uh, learning athletic ability or, or uh, learning the ways of the force or whatever it is. Um, and it's a it's a hard thing to it's a hard thing to genuinely act out because if you're not careful as the actor you're playing the end you're playing that oh the character has already gotten there uh meanwhile the process of learning anything can be tremendously frustrating because there is a there's failure and then there's getting a little bit better and then regression and all of that and i think riz ahmed just he he plays all of this wonderfully 
so that you get a real sense of fragility um, and and you get a sense of Ruben's history, even though you haven't seen it, you, you see it referred to, but you also need to be able to pick up on it uh, in those moments when people are not directly referencing it. Um, Olivia Cook, who plays Lou, uh, I think she does a really marvelous job. She's not in the film that much. It is a supporting performance, but uh, you know, it's interesting to use that term supporting because you really get a sense that Lou loves Ruben and wants to help him through this difficult time in his life. And she's a former addict herself. And she she knows what could be a trigger in her own life. And so she, and she knows Ruben. And so she knows that, like, yes, obviously she feels terrible about what he's going through, but she also knows him well enough to know immediately where his mind is going to go, e even if he's not aware of it. And so the idea that she jumps so quickly to talking to his sponsor and finding this other level of uh, support is some is uh, certainly from a script standpoint, it's interesting. But uh, Olivia Cook plays it. Uh, plays her as a character who is not judgmental. She's not judging Ruben, um, but she is constantly assessing the situation uh, so that he doesn't fall back into old habits. And maybe as a result, maybe she would as well. Uh, you kind of get the impression that their, their individual sobriety is linked to one another. And so, uh, and then at the end when she, she, she comes back into the film and time has passed and you get, you, you have to sort of be able to see where her life has gone during that time. And, uh, and I think Olivia Cook, she has a very, it's a very difficult part to play because if you're not careful, the character could just become sort of a, uh, a tool of the plot where she's there to simply be a sounding board, no pun intended, a sounding board for Ruben and be there to get the plot in motion and then leave. But first off, the character's written better than that and she she has to create this character uh, fully and, and I think she does. And so when you see the two of them together, you do get a really strong sense of their history, both when they're referencing, and, uh, re referencing it and when they're not. Uh, and then lastly, I do want to talk about Paul Racy. I talked about him a little bit already, but uh, man, it, it, this kind of performance reminds me of like Robert Forster in Jackie Brown or Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project. Just this naturalistic, effortless performance and Paul Racy just, he just gets Joe and he gets that this is a guy who's lived this life for a long time not merely the life of, of being deaf but also uh, helping people transition into deafness uh, and also supporting people as they're dealing with uh, addiction he mentions that he was an alcoholic uh, and lost his hearing after it uh, lost his hearing in Vietnam and that those two things uh, go together and as the character, as the, the, the story goes on, you hear the character talk a lot about stillness. That is a word that he brings up and one that we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, that being able to, for lack of a better term, take advantage of one's deafness. Um, to be able to just sit in the complete quiet and and in a way sort of cherish it and the opportunity that comes with it. Uh, you know, he says that he and the people at, at the facility try to 
accept the idea that that deafness is not a handicap and he says that that's something we try to we ha- we desperately try to cling to uh, and so if it's not a handicap then what what is it it's an asset and how and how could deafness ever be an asset unless of course it allows you to drown out uh, the constant noise and that seems to be what the character Joe has is able to do uh, and you know that it is an effort for him but maybe not quite the effort that it used to be he's been doing this long enough that he's sort of found uh, a rhythm and it, it, Paul Racy is just such a pleasure to watch in this film um, it is it's one of my favorite performances of 2020 i would say uh del rolindo in, in the five bloods is probably my favorite performance and what's funny is that performance is in many ways over the top and in, in the best possible way and everything and really extroverted whereas the character of joe by paul race uh by paul racy is very not even necessarily introverted but he's just unassuming and it's just very plain spoken from his 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 physical mannerisms to just the way he expresses himself, it is just a just a, a wonderful performance to behold. I, I like all the performances, um, but I, I really think that Paul Racy, who's been this working character actor in TV and film for you know many years now, it's always fun to see someone like that get a really amazing role and they just sink their teeth into it and they they you know hit it out of the park to mix my metaphors. Um, so yeah, I'm, if you've seen the film, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is just this calming, stabilizing quality to Paul Racy's performance, as there should be, given the nature of what his job is. You know, if he was a character who's who seems unstable uh, or seems unpredictable, he probably would not be good at his job. And you really get a sense that he is good at his job. So. Uh, so yeah, there, there's so much to talk about with Sound of Metal. I don't want to want to necessarily belabor it. Um, I, I I feel like I've all. If you haven't seen it, I feel like I've already maybe spoiled it a little bit for you. But this is not that kind of movie um, where there are spoilers. Um, it is just a it's just a pleasure to behold a pleasure to just let yourself get pulled into even though there are moments that are tragic and moments that are heartbreaking and moments that are scary you know when ruben is 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 realizing that he does not have his hearing anymore that is a scary prospect um certainly if if any of us woke uh, woke up one day and found that we could not hear couldn't see or or any of uh, we've lost one of our senses uh it would be inf- it would be infuriating it would be sad and it would be scary and all of that comes through in the performances and and in the filmmaking uh and the rhythms of the film really do match how Ruben is taking all of this in and how he's reacting to it because as time goes on he does come to accept his situation a little bit but in the back of his mind there's still those cochlear implants that he's working towards financially and even though he seems to have found a place where he belongs uh, at this facility and Joe even welcomes him to work there because he's he's working with ki- with deaf kids and has and kind of has a knack for it uh, but in his mind it's like no that's not who i am i'm a musician and i need to get back into that and that's essentially what i wanted to talk about from a um from a a, a faith perspective um 
I can't help but think about the film Overcomer uh, by the Kendrick brothers. It is not a good movie, and it is not the companion film. But it is a film that essentially talks about uh, who am I? Like, who am I really? Like, if you strip away um, my job, if you strip away my talent, uh, if you strip away my abilities, who am I? Am I still me? Or am I so defined by these things that uh, that to take them away is to take away who I am? Um, and that, you know, I, th- I think that's a very worthwhile uh, question. Uh, that movie, I don't. I feel bad just uh, tearing into it, but you know, as I was watching this, uh, you know, you have a character who is a talented musician, and then that is, and that is a big part of his identity, and that is taken away from him essentially, and so he's at he he's asking who what's left, that is, am I worthwhile at all, um, and so I. I was put in mind of, of Overcomer, and and I often want to want to tell people like, hey, if you liked Overcomer, you should check out Sound of Metal because it's a film that asks these questions, but does so in a way that is so much more engaging and so much more um, uh, transportive. And uh, oh, by the way, if you hear a little dinging, that is the uh, the Sunday truck that uh, comes through my neighborhood every day, but. Um, but yeah, so I feel bad saying that uh, about uh, Overcomer, but um, I do think that it is it is a question that that Christians. I mean, I mean, everybody in a way is is forced to ask themselves this. But I do think that as Christians, our identity is meant to be in Christ. That's the idea. But I wonder how many of us, myself very much included, I wonder how many of us actually find our identity in that. Uh, I definitely know that for myself, my identity tends to be found in other people's opinion of me, um, not to mention uh, whatever I am capable of, uh, which in my view is not very much, but I do consider myself fairly intelligent and fairly well-spoken. And so suddenly if I if I lost the ability to speak, the ability to express myself uh, in some way, I would wonder like, well, what am I, what am I left with? This is all I can do. Um, am I worth anything at this point? And therein lay the lay the 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 central concept of finding your identity in Christ is that like we like to think of ourselves as necessary as essential. Obviously, in in uh, the age of COVID, the concept of somebody being an essential worker uh, is something that has come up. And uh, you know, strictly speaking, none of us are essential to God. Um, he doesn't really need us um at best he can use us for his own purposes but it's it that's not where this came from that's not where his relationship with us comes from it comes from a desire it comes from a want to uh to connect with us and love us and have us love him and so when you strip all these things away if then I'm still a child of God. And then the, then the real question is, is that enough for me? Uh, and so 
when you I feel like you can't help but put yourself in the position of Ruben both literally because that is what the director is trying to get you to do but you also ask yourself like well what is the thing that if if it was taken from me what's the thing that I would say well who am I without this thing um, and I'll, I'll bring up the the companion film which is uh, John Sayles Passion Fish from uh, 1992 it stars Mary McDonnell and Alfred Woodard uh, and it is a uh, John Sayles by the way is a wonderful uh, director uh, and a gr- and a wonderful writer as well uh, he made Lone Star uh, he made Silver City he's he's made a number of really impactful films and yet he's he's just not one of these directors that people talk about very much and that is unfortunate because he's really produced uh, some intelligent and emotional films that uh, are often a really great showcase for actors and here Mary McDonald who you, you might be familiar with from uh, Independence Day or Battlestar Galactica she plays a uh, a soap opera actress who is uh, very egotistical and very uh, full of herself very self-focused uh, and then she uh, gets in an accident and loses the the use of her legs. And so she is trying to figure out, well, what can I do now? Um, I, I can't keep acting, or at least not the way that I previously did. And so uh, the, the story is essentially about her uh, relationship with a new uh, nurse who comes to, to help her with things, played by uh, Alfre Woodard. And uh, the two of them have a really interesting, contentious relationship. The film is actually pretty funny uh, while also being um, dramatic and, and again, uh, tragic. And so I do recommend it. I think, I think you would like it. And it certainly plays into what we're talking about here. Um, there is just, there, there are so many people who, if, if a certain thing is stripped away from them, they would think, my life is over but in fact your life is not over and the question is what do i do now but again who am i and so i did want to bring up uh this idea of of stillness um one thing that i like about the character of joe is that uh it would appear that he is a a man of faith and there's only but they don't really play it up very much uh, there is only one moment where you get the impression that, oh, this is him. This is a, something that he believes. He references a church, uh, but he that doesn't necessarily mean he goes there. But there's a moment towards uh, the end of the film where Joe is talking to Ruben and he says, I wonder, all these mornings you've been sitting in my study, have you had any moments of stillness? Because you're right, Ruben, the world does keep moving and it can be a damn cruel place. But for me, those moments of stillness, that place, that's the kingdom of God. And, you know, when you, when you, frankly, when you use phrases like kingdom of God, like that's not something that an average that your average uh, non-Christian will say. That is a, a very Christian phrase. One could even say Christianese. Uh, but Joe doesn't seem like the type that would uh, uh, put that out there in the way that uh, tends to bother me. But I do like this idea that um, that he says this at a moment when Reuben basically says, hey, I, I'm getting these, uh, I've gotten these cochlear implants. I can't come work for you. I need to get back to my old life. And Joe is able to see that, like, 
this is unfortunate. Like the, you have a place here and you would be very good at this thing, but you can't let go of this old identity of yours. And if you actually were to take a moment and just sit and acknowledge where you are now, acknowledge what has happened to you and really let that wash over you and, and, and grieve over it certainly, but also say, ask where am I now and who am I now? Uh, you would find that there can be stillness. Uh, there can be acceptance of where you are and what has happened to you. And in that, in that stillness, you can hear God talking to you and saying, here's what I have for you now. But even aside from that, you're with me and I'm with you. And, you know, I, I certainly know that we live in some, some pretty rough times. Um, obviously, COVID is still going strong. I, I, I know somebody who, who lost his mother uh, somebody who's a guest on this show, I won't say who it is, but, uh, and that's to, to COVID specifically. And it, and it was a really uh, long drawn out process and a very sad and tragic one. And so there's that. And then there's econ there are economic issues to say nothing of just the constant political turmoil that's going on right now. And it can be very easy for us to, to just kind of be thrown into a sort of tailspin um, and just wonder what on earth is going on. And what I'll say is maybe our own lives are specifically uh, thrown into that turmoil. Maybe it's sort of a, getting a sense of the world itself. And what I would en encourage you to do, to do is to look for those moments of stillness and look for those moments when God assures you that you're going to be okay, that the world's going to be okay, that yes, there are moments of heartbreak, moments of tragedy in this world, both for you and for other people, but that God does not abandon us. Um, Colossians 3 verses uh, 1 through 4 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so here we have an assurance of who you are, your role uh, in God's story, and that you are identified with Christ, and that can be a that can be a, a reassurance in times of turmoil, in times of uncertainty. And one of the things that it says is to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now that's easier said than done, and obviously earthly things are very important. But by setting your mind on things above, that can first off give you tremendous clarity on the earthly things that you're that you're looking at maybe you're better able to deal with those things and and bring a good uh, a genuine solution to an earthly problem by looking in a in a at a larger timeline looking at god's timeline maybe that can provide some some much needed perspective uh psalm 46 verses 8 through 11 says, come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow 
and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. One thing that I absolutely love about this passage is that it's speaking about a very, very powerful God. Uh, One who burns shields with fire and shatters the spear. Like these are all, and then it says, you know, uh, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Like these are, these are war. This is war imagery and yet at the at the core of it it says be still and know that i am god it is using god's the the concept of god's power to calm us not to make us fearful but to calm us and say this this god is on your side and if you you can trust in him he is this powerful so certainly you can trust in him and if you take this now if you were to look at this sort of just on its own this sounds like a god that is extremely intimidating and certainly god is intimidating but if you look at what we were talking about with colossians if you look at really any any verse in the new testament it's not merely that god is tremendously intimidating and powerful and he's on your side but not necessarily in a distant way he is on your side quite literally by sending uh jesus to be with us and to be human you know i keep talking about this idea of darius martyr doing things so that we can relate to the character of reuben uh, because the more we're able to relate uh, the more sympathy we'll have and so uh, i don't mean to suggest that god as a as you know the father um, can't relate to us but through jesus he he has that experience of being a human so that we we know that he has been that thing. We know that he can relate to us uh, because it's been shown to us in that way. So uh, I, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm ra- I was rambling a little bit there, but the point is that you know when we have these things taken away from us, or even if nothing is taken away except maybe our sense of stability, and we start to question our role in this world and and our identity and our usefulness and you know this is all stuff that that definitely speaks to me i often feel uh useless the thing that i always go to is that uh you know hey if there were an apocalypse uh what could i possibly contribute to a post-apocalyptic society and the answer as somebody who is a film critic and a teacher of film uh the answer is probably nothing but i think that might be a weird uh criteria uh because the fact is we do not live in a post-apocalyptic society yet uh we live in the society we live in right now and right now i have a part to play and that part may actually not be defined my by my career or my ability to talk about movies that part might have something might might be something that i'm not even thinking of but that god is and so you know when you're when you're looking at a movie like sound of metal or passion fish and i and i hope you do look at them uh and you ask yourself what would i do and who would i be without these things uh i will answer you are a child of god you are loved by him he sacrificed for you and and that is who you are 
you may have you may be lucky enough to have tremendous talents and to use those talents to enrich people's lives, enrich your own lives, connect with other people, maybe even uh, help them to to more deeply understand the nature of God. That's wonderful. But when it comes right down to it, that's not who you are. Um, and so I would encourage you, just as as Joe encourages Reuben, I would encourage you to as you're as you're busy trying to define yourself by uh, the things that you're doing, the relationships you have, uh, there's nothing wrong with with engaging in those things. But as you're as you're busy trying to do that, occasionally take moments to really embrace stillness and listen to God. And as you're listening, the thing that you will hear, it might be a function of God wanting you to do something or whatever it is, but the thing that you're going to hear underneath all of that is God saying, I'm with you, I'm for you, I delight in you, I love you. And that, even when, even if everything has been taken from you in this life, uh, that it should hopefully bring you calm and bring you a sense of identity and a sense of identity that literally cannot be taken away. All of these other things can be taken away, but that is something that literally uh, no one can take from you except maybe yourself, but that's a conversation for another time. So, um, you know, I know that we bounced around uh, a lot here. Um, you know, I'm pretty rusty. I haven't done this in a while. So I hope that you guys uh, enjoyed this uh, this episode. Um, if you haven't seen Sound of Metal, go and check it out. Uh, I, I assume you probably have not seen Passion Fish from 1992. You should definitely check that, that out as well. Uh, and in fact, just look up John Sayles, uh, S-A-Y-L-E-S. Uh, he's a really wonderful writer-director. But uh, anyway... So the next episode, I don't know when I'm going to record it. I'm going to try and do it sooner rather than later as, as my schedule has kind of calmed down and, 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 uh, Jen and I have a, a, a better sense of, of how the kids are going to, to operate. Uh, I think I'm going to have more opportunities to record, uh, these episodes. And so, uh, the next episode will be about, uh, Dan Scanlon's Onward, the Pixar film, which I absolutely love. Um, and so be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, uh, feel free to head to morethanonelesson.com and check out what we have going on over there. Uh, and if you are interested in the uh, 101 best movies of the 2010s uh, from Battleship Pretension, just go to battleshippretension.com and uh, and uh, buy the book. At the moment, like I said, we're only shipping in the U.S., uh, but uh, we're, we're looking to expand where we can. Um, and uh, if you want to contact me, you can email me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at morelessons, and you can like us on Facebook. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye.